my hesitation today. <clears throat> to discuss the subject that I'm going to discuss with you. I hesitated. In fact, I said no. Not for this crowd. They're too young. They're not mature enough. This is a subject for mature audiences. Can we just uh, make some Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Move that chair. Move that chair. That's it. Thank you. Probably if I speak about it, they will laugh at me. They will say, Why are you talking to us about this? So I was going to veto this class. But then I said to myself that there is great value in what I'm about to tell you. I'm going to talk to you about a subject that has nothing to do with anything you've thought about till now. It's the subject of Hinuch. It's like teaching your kids to rise. Teaching your kids, educating your kids. Now you're all sitting there saying, we don't have kids. So this will be a talk for like five, six, seven, ten years from now when you have children. You have to know what to do with them. So it's my job to help you, not only today, but also in six years from now, in eight years from now. The same way you have to learn how to read, and you have to learn how to pray, and you have to learn how to add and subtract, not only for today, but for 10 years from today. So you also have to have the subject of Hinuch at your fingertips. Because 
if you will have children, and as uh, Hashem you will, you better know what to do with them. Because if not, what's going to happen? They're going to make you crazy. But don't think like that. I'm not talking to you today to prepare you for your parenthood. Although it's not a bad idea. And if you take something for that, it's also good. I have found through experience that when someone learns about how others should deal with them, he himself will learn about a lot himself. About himself. Uh, I think I know what I'm saying. I'll say it again. I found that when a person learns about how others are dealing with him or need to deal with him, he learns a lot about who he is. For example, when I learn about how I have to be to help my children, I learn a lot about me. Because I'm also a child to my father, to my mother. So if I sit here and tell you about how to deal with your son, so automatically, what happens to you? You start thinking about yourself. Because you're also a son to somebody. And therefore there's great value in understanding the subject of Hinuch. The value is for the future, when you will be in a position, and perhaps the greater value today is for yourself. I have no doubt that every single one of you in this room, young and old, immature, Mature, wild, or calm. The best student or the worst. Everybody's got, we're all here together. We have our strengths, we have our weaknesses. <coughs> some are struggling more than others, some are flying high. But I have no doubt that all of us share in one thing that I can tell you now, we share many things, but this one for sure we share. And that is that if we envision our future, if we're 14 or 15 or 16 or 17, if we envision ourselves, let's take it easy, let's go 15 years into the future. One day, in 15 years from now, you'll be Be'ezot Hashem on the And if we envision what we will look like at the age of 15, in 15 years from now, I'm not talking like what kind of business we're in or what kind of yeshiva we'll be or what kind of... I'm not talking about these things. But if we envision our life, I think we would all agree that we envision a beautiful family. We envision ourselves with a great wife and we envision ourselves with great children. 
We envision ourselves with successful children. We envision ourselves with happy children. We envision ourselves with children that we will be excited for when we see them accomplish. Even though we don't know much about that because we're not in that position, but I bet all of us can guess that that will be a very critical part of our success in our future. There is no greater pleasure in life for a parent regarding his family than the success of his children. I can speak to you from experience, but I'm not unique to this. You could ask your parents. You could ask any rabbi or teacher. You could speak to anybody, pretty much who has children, and say, what's your biggest pleasure? What's your biggest pleasure in your life? And everybody will say, when I see my children are successful. You know the greatest pleasure your mother and father could have? Is if you come home and you have a great, great report from somebody who sends them a, either a report card or a, a message or something. Do you understand that they may not always know how to show it, but the greatest pleasure for me today, besides other great pleasures that we're involved in, but regarding my family, my children, when my daughter came home on Wednesday night, six-year-old daughter, she came on Wednesday night. It's a true story. She gave me a report card. And everything was tov me'od, tov me'od. And the back says, Rivka is a happy, successful, hardworking, friendly girl. What does that do for me? Best feeling in the world? And you can ask any parent. There's nothing greater in life when it comes to your family than to see your children successful. But you know, Good children don't just grow on trees. You have to do something. You have to know how to give them hainuch. If you don't give them hainuch, if you don't know what you're doing, you can mess them up big time. And guess what? Many of our parents also have messed up. Not because they want to, do you think many of our parents have made mistakes in our upbringing? Probably. You think because they wanted to? No. They love us more than anybody on the planet. Your father and mother love you more than anyone on this planet. There's no question about that. But does that mean they know everything how to give you the right tools that you should be the most successful, happiest person? Maybe not. I know it. Because I gave a class this week, I know for many reasons, I gave a class this week on this subject, in shul. And a woman called me, there must have been 250 ladies there. 
And a woman called me after a 45-year-old woman. And her words were, thank you for that class, but I wish that I went to this class 25 years ago. Today all my children are already grown up. So as I'm talking to her for an hour and a half in a class, she says, as you're talking and I'm realizing the many mistakes that I made with my children. So it's never too early to learn. You should know that this subject and this mitzvah that Hashem gave us is one of the more difficult mitzvot in the Torah. We have challenges all the time. But normally the challenges have to do with us. For example, if I'm struggling to eat seudashali sheep because I just ate two hours ago, so I, I want to eat, but it's the right thing, but I really don't want to eat, I'm not hungry. So it's a struggle. Sometimes I'll win the battle, and I say, okay, I'm doing it anyway, and sometimes I won't. When I decide to win the battle, then that's it, the bread's waiting for me. Struggles, should I go learn a little more? No. Yes, yeah, no. Struggle. If I make the right choice, so the book's waiting for me. The book's there, it's waiting. The struggle was with me. The book didn't run away from me. The bread didn't just fly. They try to get me, like, no, uh-uh. Struggles that we have in life are usually between us and ourselves. And the world's waiting for us to make a choice. But when it comes to the mitzvah of Hinuch, it's like a whole different world. Because you're not dealing with anything that's stationary. You, you are dealing with a human being who very often doesn't do what you thought he should do or could do. So here you are, and you make this great choice as a father, a mother, a rabbi, a teacher, and you're doing something for your son, for your daughter, and you made the right choice. You made the right choice. But guess what? You, you gotta, you gotta, to you. No, we're not doing that. No, no. But the reaction was not what you thought it would be, not what you expected. 
So it's a constant struggle. Because you're, you're dealing with moving parts. And when you have a target that's waiting there, you just shoot at it. Simple. You either miss or you hit. But the target's waiting for you. But if the target's always moving, so you just keep shooting and you don't even know what's going to happen. You think it's there, oh, it goes there. When you're dealing with hinuch, you're dealing with moving parts that aren't in your control. So it becomes very difficult. In fact, you know, in the, in the Beta Midash, in the holiest place in the Beta Midash, the holiest room in the Beta Midash, is the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh Kodashim. And the holiest item in the Beta Midash is the Aron, the box, the Aron Kodesh that has in it the tablets and the Torah. This room is so holy that no Jew is ever allowed to go in there. Only the Kohen Gadol. Once a year he goes in there for a few minutes. The Kotel today, when we go visit the Kotel, the, the, the value of the Kotel, the Kedusha of the Kotel is because it's as close as we can get to the Kodesh Kodashim. What's in the Kodesh Kodashim? You have this box. What's on top of the box? The unimaginable. It's figures made out of gold. Figures of what? Kerubim, of children. There's a little boy made of gold and a little girl made of gold. And they're on top of the Aron of this box. Now, if anyone knows anything about the Torah, if you know anything about Torah, you know that images and Judaism, they don't go together. It doesn't work. The first thing Hashem told us when He saw us on Har Sinai, He said, do not make images. Do not make any pictures, especially human images, the worst. I would rather have images. And where in the Holy of Holies? In the holiest place on earth? On the holiest item? What does God tell us to do? Make two <coughs> images of children made out of gold. And the message, obviously, must be so great, so important, that I guess for this, Hashem said, okay, there's no choice. I have no choice. I have to send you the message. It's so important. It's so crucial. I'm going to have to give up my normal rule of images. This one I have to make. And why? What's so important? What's important is that Hashem is telling us, without of our children, you and I and every single body here, without knowing how to make your children gold. So then the Torah that you'll have in your life and the life that you'll have for yourself, it's not going to be worth it. Your success very much depends on these children. Oh, the Torah is there for you. Yes. But you should know that it's through your children and through your students, through these little young people 
that you will find your success in life. But you know what's interesting about these Kirubim? Torah says you have to make them Miksha. You know what the word Miksha means? Miksha. Miksha? You don't know what Miksha means. Miksha means something very interesting, very hard to do. Usually when you're making like, let's say you make a menorah, right? When you make a menorah out of metal, so what do they do? They take all metal pieces, right? They shape them, and then they start to solder them to each other. You know what soldering means? They take them and they burn and they melt the metal into the other piece and it becomes one. So if you look at anything metal in your house, look at your menorah, look at anything that's made out of your picture frame, anything that's metal, it's a piece that was taken and then soldered. They take pieces and put them together. But when it came to the menorah, Torah says you have to make it miksha. Miksha means, you can't imagine this. You take, you take one big piece of metal, and from that metal, you create a menorah. You shape all of the parts of the menorah from the one piece of metal. You can't take parts and put them together. You have to shape it from the metal itself. Okay, 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 we'll clap when he comes back. Yeah. It didn't succeed yet. Thank you, Mama. The word miksha comes from the word kashe. Kashe means something hard. It's very hard to make it. How many kelim in the Beta Mikdash, or how many kelim in the whole Torah do we find that they have to be made miksha? How many? Well, let's name them. One is Menorah, the Kerubim. The ones we're talking about today, these figures of gold have to be made miksha. And there's one more. There's one more item that we find in the Torah that has to be made miksha. In Hebrew, they call the Hatzot Hatzot are the trumpets. When do they use trumpets? In the Midbar, in the desert. The trumpets. Marvin does things from his heart. Thank you, Marvin. The trumpets were used in the desert whenever they had to, the leaders, when they wanted to gather the people for a meeting, they would blow the trumpets, certain sound. They would know, oh, that sound means we're having a meeting today. 
When they wanted people to travel, it's time to go. They had a certain sound. They blew the trumpets. They went. Says the Torah, these trumpets have to be made miksha. You can't just make trumpets from pieces. You got to make it from one piece. What's the common denominator between these three things? Out of all the kelim, three things. Menorah, Kerubim, Hatzot, I saw once a beautiful explanation. Why these three specifically? Because each one represents something that's very difficult. The menorah represents Torah. If you want to succeed in Torah, if you want to become a Ben Torah, if you want to have the Chokhmah of the Torah, you know what you need? You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be rich. You need one thing. You got to work hard. Miksha. There's no way to get Torah in your life unless you work hard. It doesn't, it's not how smart you are. We see it all the time. In the yeshiva, we see it all the time. Not the most brilliant guys that are the netorah. It's the hard-working person. Miksha, the only way to get Torah. Menorah represents the Torah, the light of Torah. You need Miksha. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to work hard. Expect it. You'll enjoy it, but you got to work hard. The second Miksha is by the Hatzosrot. That represents leadership. Leadership means when you have an, a responsibility. To help others, to do for others, to lead others. You have to know something. If you ever have a leadership role in your life, it's not going to be easy. Expect it to be difficult. You have to deal with a lot of different people. You have to deal with different opinions. You have to deal with people who don't appreciate what you do. Not easy to be in a position of leadership. Hatzotzrot represents a leader. Miksha. Don't go into Torah thinking it's going to be easy. Don't go into leadership thinking it's going to be a joyride. It's very rewarding to be leading others. It's tremendous zikhut, but it's not easy. And the third one is the Kiruvim. The Kiruvim represents Hinuch. It represents shaping our children, our students. Hinuch is miksha. It's one of the more difficult things that you could do in your life. So unlike the woman who at 45 years old tells me, I wish I heard this 25 years ago. could have avoided a lot of mistakes. So I chose today to speak to you about it. Because I don't want you saying in 25 years from now that I wish somebody told me this 25 years ago. I would have been a better person. I would have been a better father. I would have had better children. 
I would have enjoyed my home and my life much more. This subject is very big, and I don't have the time today to spin all of Hinuk. But I think it's important as a beginning just to know what the word means. That's all we're doing today. Today, we're studying the word Hinuk. understand it will make a big difference. Very often we make mistakes, we don't understand the word, and we make mistakes thinking it's one thing and something else. So if you look in the dictionary, you'll find the Hebrew English dictionary, it says that Hinuch means education for a child, or the upbringing of a child. But really it's much more than that. There's really no word actually in the English language. properly describe the word Hinuch, unlike the word Yelid, which has a one word English, which is what? Yelid? Child. I'll tell you what the word Kadur means. What is it Kadur? A ball. Simple. One to one. But there's no equal to the word Hinuch. Don't have a word for it. It's not education, it's not upbringing, it's not, it's not what it is. What is it? So Rashi Allah Shalom tells us when the Torah describes Eliezer as the Hanichav, as the person who got Hinuch from Abraham, that was the first time Hinuch appears in the Torah. Rashi Allah Shalom tells us, listen to this beautiful explanation that she says what Hinuch means. Keep it in your storage. They'll need it. Hinuch, says Rashi, is starting a person on a road where he will be able to stand on his own. Means, I have a son, I have a, I have a student, I have a friend, and I think it's so good for them to be standing somewhere. Hainuch is starting them on a road where they are able to stand on their own. Meaning, if I go and I put them to stand, that's not Hainuch. If I just start them on a road and they don't stand on their own, it's not Hainuch. Hinuch is very specific. Is starting someone on a road where they'll be able to stand on their own. And very often, 
because we don't know this translation, we make very big mistakes as parents. I'll give you a common mistake. I'm sure some of you have experienced it. And remember, as parents, we make mistakes. I make mistakes. Your parents, I'm sure, make mistakes. Nobody has bad intentions here. But sometimes we make the wrong decisions and we mess up. What do I do if my son comes to shoe with me and he's seven years old? And he comes with me on Shabbat and he needs to pray. But he's not interested in me. He's seven years old, not interested. So what do I do as a father? I know that it's important to pray. He's only seven, but I want him to pray when he's older. So what do I do? So I'm the I'm the mechanech. I want to make sure he prays. So I open the book and I say, you gotta pray. And the kid's like, oh, okay. Opens the door, he prays. Father walks away from this. I'm a mechanech. Look, I gave Hinuf. Well, maybe he's praying, but I don't know if he gave Hinuf. Because you have to ask yourself, did you put him on a road that he didn't want to do it himself when he's 18 and 15 and 16? Is that what you did? Or he's just doing it now because he's scared stiff of you, but not interested. On his own, he'll never do it. Not today, not next week, not next year, not ever. Sometimes you think you won, but you lost. So what would you do in that situation? What would Hinuch require of you in that situation? Should you not, should you tell him not to pray? Should you say, do whatever you want? No, it's not Hinuch either. Because you gotta start it. You can't say do whatever you want because it's a little kid. If you tell him do whatever, imagine you people here in this room did whatever you want till today. You couldn't read today. You couldn't write today. You wouldn't know anything today. You'd be walking around like total dips. Even with all that, some of you are still walking around dips. But imagine you actually followed the script that you wanted, like never go to school. You would never come to school on your own, would you? On your own. For the last eight years, would you come on your own? Like one voluntarily? We'll try. We're going to have one day in school this year, maybe. One day, volunteer to come to school. I want to see how many guys show up. I'm sure we'll get a lot of people. We have a lot of quality young men here who understand that it's important to go to school, not because my father says. They are, believe it or not. I believe that the overwhelming majority of the boys will come to school that day. I'm not saying everybody. But if you're from the people who don't, it's just because you don't understand what you're doing. You have no idea, you're clueless. So to tell your son, do whatever you want, when he's seven years old, it's also not a wisdom, because you won't do anything. 
But to force him to do it also doesn't make sense because is he gonna do it on his own when he gets older, or he can't wait that you could just kiss from you already? Uh, question. Oh, now by that, Hinuch. Hinuch means you gotta start him. For sure, you gotta start him. But in a way that he'll want to do it later. I'll tell you what I would do. I would tell him that I understand him. I would tell him that I understand he doesn't understand Tefillah today. Don't understand what he's, what he's saying. Don't understand the words. Doesn't really understand his relationship with Hashem. Like, I, I got it. Do I blame him for not liking it? No, of course not. He's a little kid. He doesn't understand anything. I don't blame you. I understand you. But I want to tell you something. I know as your father that in 10 years from today, you're going to understand the value of tefillah. You will. Now you don't. But you will one day. I just, I think it's important for you just to go through it so you prepare yourself for the time that you will understand it. He still may not want to. But at least he understands what's going on. You tell him, no, praying is very important. He doesn't understand that. No, praying is very, very enjoyable. No, it's not. I don't enjoy it. I don't really tell him. It's enjoyable to you, not to me. But things like that, they're not healed. But if you talk to him on his level and make him understand. Now, okay, he understands. He has to put in a little bit of work. Because one day he'll be able to understand. But beautiful. How about if you, if you walk into... What, what if you're a father and you walked into a room and you saw two little children fighting? A six-year-old and a four-year-old want to kill each other. Why? Because there's a toy on the floor and they both want it. Meanwhile, it's been on the floor for the last six months. No one touched it. Now they want it. Now they're fighting about it. And they're kicking and screaming and they do it. And you walk into the house and you're hearing this and you scream. What do you do? You're giving hainu. Are you ready for this hainu? You go into the room. Boys and girls, stop it! Break it up! No more fighting! Give me that toy! Give it to her right now. And don't open your mouth. No crying! Enough! Walk out of the room. You sit back down. You say to yourself, ah, Master Mechana. I'm Master. I walk into the house. It's wild. Like a wild west over here. I came in. Put my foot down. And what happened? Mission accomplished. You accomplished nothing. Zero. You stopped them now. But did you put them on the road to stand on their own? Oh no. Into that. What will happen when they're 15 and fighting with their friends? Are you going to come into the room too? And put your foot down? What's going to happen when they're fighting with their wife? Are you going to come in also then? and put your foot down? Are you doing that? I don't think so. 
Your son is being bullied by, by somebody. So as a caring father, what do you do? You go into school and you start yelling at every person there. And you make sure my son is away from all those people. I give him his own class. He cannot be around anybody, just himself. Because they're all bothering him. I will there, I will be there to protect my son from anybody. Destroying your son. Or destroying my son. Destroying. What happens when he gets bullied when he's 18? What happens when people in life don't do what he wants? What happens then? You're gonna come, what's gonna happen? You're gonna walk into his business and tell his boss that you want him to be in this department because the other guy in that department, is that what you're gonna do? You helped him? You put him on his feet? He did nothing. You know what I would do? If I saw my children fighting, I would walk in and say, listen, is that the way to act? I know you both want something. I know it's hard for you. But you know what? You're going to have to figure it out. I said, you're not leaving this room until you figure it out. Just figure it out. Let them kick and scream and argue until they figure it out. Because I want them to be able to stand on their own feet. Of course I can come and do it and be the Mashiach. But what did I help them if I did that? Teach your son how to deal with a person bullying him. Don't be standing blocking. That's why it says in Pirkei Avot. The first Mishnah Pirkei Avot says, Veha'amidu talmidim harbeh. Which means literally, have a lot of students. But look at the way Hachamim tell us. It doesn't say teach a lot of students. It doesn't say, let's teach all our students. Telandu, Talmidim Harbe. No, no, no. Ve'ha'amidu. What's ha'amidu? Stand. Ha'amidu. Your job as a rabbi, your job as a father, is not to teach Torah. Your job as a father is not to give your children instruction. No, no, no. Mistake. Your job is to put them on their own two feet. Is doing today what's going to take to put them on their feet. So that they should be strong. You should send them to school in a way where one day they're going to want to go to school themselves. You should teach them Torah when they're young, even though they don't necessarily understand or want, because in a, in a way that they will want to learn on their own without you. The biggest success of my life is if I see my son on his own open a book and learn. In his own private room, I would have told him, ah, that's a success. Standing on his own. The biggest success is when I see him solve an issue with his friends without even having to talk to him. Come for advice, yeah, on his own. Ha'amidu, stand! That's what we're in it for. Because let me tell you something, and with this I finish. I didn't finish the subject, or even what I plan to speak about. But my time is up, and I want to tell you something. There is a, um, 
what's called Shemen HaMishha. Torah talks about it in Sefer Shemot. Shemen HaMishha is, is oil that was used to anoint. In the Beit HaMidash, they had to anoint Kelim, they had to prepare them. They had a certain oil that they would use. And there was a prescription how to make that oil. One of the things you have to put in that oil, Torah says, called Mor Deror. Mor Deror, two words. Mor, Mem, Resh, Deror. Mor, Mila, like a perfume, Deror. Ramban says, what does it mean, Deror? A perfume that's Deror. What Deror? Says Ramban, Deror means it's free. Free? Free from what? Says Ramban, it's free from any type of additional things that aren't real. Sometimes they put in perfume all junk. It's not real perfume. So it has to be Deror, pure, clean. That's the first shot in the Ramban. I didn't come tell you that shot. I did want to share with you the second shot in the Ramban. The Ramban says an amazing, beautiful shot. You might think it's not relevant to your life, but listen to this. Look how relevant it is. The Ramban says, more Deror means it's a perfume that comes from an animal that's free. The more Deror actually comes from a deer. A deer is a wild animal. The blood of the deer has a very good scent. That's where they get it from. Amazing. It has a good perfume. Says the Torah, I want you to get it from what kind of deer? A deer that's running on his own. He's free. But a deer who is captured by a human and he's tied up, even though he also has perfume, but that perfume will not be as good, says the Ramban. The perfume of a deer that's running on his own smells much better than the same deer that's tied up. You know how beautiful that is in life? You know what that is telling you in life? Each one of us has great perfume inside of us. Our accomplishments, our actions, when will our perfume come out? For example, let's say school, yeshiva, high school. High school is the time where your perfume can come out. Will your perfume come out in high school? Will it? Depends. If you're standing on your own feet, if you're a free man, if you're doing it because you want to do it, you're going to smell much better than you. Just in your high school years. But if you come into school because your father told you, because your mother made you, because you have no choice, so you'll have a little perfume too. But you're like this. When you're like this, you can't have such a good smell. You want to smell good in life? You got to stand on your own feet. You got to do things on your own. You got to go to school on your own. Not because your father sent you or your mother sent you. You gotta pray on your own because you understand the value. You gotta learn on your own. You gotta stand on your own two feet. When you stand on your own two feet, you're a free man. And when you're a free man, you have a great perfume coming out of you. And everything that you do, you find success. But when you're doing things because you're forced after, success is very small. That's Hinuch. Hinuch is putting someone on a road that one day this road will take him 
to a place where he could stand on his own. And all the time we have to think about that. Shabbat Shalom.